Hello and welcome to Blowing This Joint, the chronic illness podcast for and by the chronic illness community. My name is Kerry White from the Chronic Homestead. Thank you for joining me. everyone and welcome back to Blowing This Joint. I'm Kerry Wire, your host, and today's prompt from the Illness Endless Society is fact or stat about EDS and HSD. Now there's plenty to choose from unfortunately, but what I've chosen is a stat about that I actually recently found myself, and that is that it is very, very common for people with EDS and HSD to have a lot of problems holding pens. Now that probably sounds fairly obvious when you actually you know, think about it, but growing up, <laughs> picture it, Sicily, 19, no, um, when I was, how old was I? I was in year four, I think year four into year five, so I'd be about eight or nine. We had a thing at my primary school, which is pretty common, I would imagine, in Australian primary schools, you may have this where you are, I don't know, called pen licenses. So the idea was that you would get your pen license or permission to write in pen instead of just pencil. Uh, once your writing hit a certain sort of certain level of quality, as it were. Now, let, let's ignore for a moment the absolutely <laughs> the, the, the 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 pettiness, the petty pedantry that is um, deciding who gets to write with what implement. Let's just put that aside for a moment. Um, but when you can't hold a pen properly, your writing is terrible. Did you know? Mine certainly was. I have learned over, I mean, I'm 41 now. I have learned over like three decades uh, how to write neatly, but it, it was I was well behind my peers, well behind. Uh, I can actually do calligraphy and everything now. So, you know, with practice, obviously, you find a way. But little eight-year-old Kerry was absolutely gutted to be left behind all her classmates. And obviously, you know, children at school being what they are, absolutely loved laying into me for being so dumb because I couldn't get my pen license. What kind of dummy, etc. Now, this is something that occurs to me too because I didn't know this was an EDS thing. I didn't even know what EDS was when I was a kid. I didn't even know there was something quote-unquote wrong with me uh, as whenever anything kind of came up and I pointed it out, I was told, no, you're fine, it's fine, it's normal, it's growing pains, it's, you know, the usual. So if there's nothing wrong with me, then the reason that I'm having a problem is my fault. I wasn't trying hard enough. I wasn't applying myself. The fact that I couldn't hold a pencil because my fingers kept bending backwards was clearly just my problem. Everybody else managed. So now that I know that, I see my youngest son, whom I homeschool, uh, trying to hold a pencil and I see him holding it the same way. I see the same grip in his fingers and I said, Buddy, I want you to be, because his writing is, is terrible, as you would imagine. And I said, what I need you to know, what I need you to know in your heart is that how you are able to write your name and letters and things like that is of absolutely no bearing on how clever you are, how patient you are, how careful, how articulate. None of that has any bearing on anything measurable that people measure anybody by. Your inability to write neatly will come with time. It came for me. The more you practice it, you figure out a way that is hold, you know, you can hold pencils. Now, I, I can almost hear people going, what about pencil grips? Uh, they can be helpful. 
they can be helpful, but they can also be very painful because the problem isn't that we can't hold something thin. It's applying pressure. Certainly for myself, like um, when I try to cut something with a knife, like cutting my dinner with a knife, I'm pushing down on my knife with my right index finger. I'm right-handed. My right index finger and my finger bends like a hammock because I literally can't put enough pressure with my fingers to cut. Now, if I think about it and line my finger up just right, I can sort of kind of put enough pressure, but I also feel joints ready to pop out. So I've got to kind of choose what do I want to do? Do I want to potentially sublocate or dislocate a joint or do I want to hyperextend it and bend it the wrong way? <laughs> it's not a good choice to make. But I think that's that's one of those things that's like this is just one example. This is one of these things that um, when you get people saying to you, oh, you know, what good does a diagnosis really make? Like just knowing you're hypermobile, there's nothing we can do. We can't like treat it with medicine or something. And I think it is so insanely myopic to not see what understanding why your body does what it does, what it can do for people. For me, in this instance, it literally reached back in time and healed the sad for my eight-year-old me. I honestly thought, I honestly thought that there was something wrong with me, that it was my fault, that I should have just applied myself. I mean, I was a what we used to call a gifted kid, which means, of course, I have ADHD. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I was so clever. I was smart. I was creative. I was polite. I was everything, but it didn't seem like those things mattered. It was always a focus on what I couldn't do. Certainly teachers got so used to me just doing things right that the only things they pointed out was what I couldn't do. And every one of my teachers lamented, oh, Carrie, come on, you need to apply yourself. You're one of the last three people in your year to not get a pen license. And again, why we feel this obscene need to constantly draw lines in the sand that kids must pass or else they have no value is beyond me. And like, this is one of the reasons why I quite enjoy homeschooling my youngest son. Our eldest son goes to a very special school and they're amazing wouldn't wouldn't part with them for for any money in the world but my youngest son would be chewed up and spat out like I was and I I'm just so grateful that the many times that I'm able to do things for him and I think you're not going to feel that you're not going to feel that that hopelessness that despair that oh gosh I'm so stupid or I'm so lazy or I'm so clumsy or I'm so why can't I run why can't I jump why is everyone good at gymnastics except me why can't I catch a ball why can't I, you know, all these different things that we we tell kids that are so critical, like, you know, PE as a youngin, you know, oh, you, you're going to need to be able to catch and throw a basketball because that's critical. Like, I have not ever tried to catch or throw a basketball outside of school. I've somehow managed to get by as a functioning adult without doing so. So, you know, focusing on the really important things. But I think this is this is kind of a, a an impassioned rant, I think. But it's a it's a a fragment of a much bigger story, I think, where it's important that we understand why things happen, so we can understand not only how to help them, but also understanding not where the blame is. I don't mean that, but if I'd have known as a kid that it was my collagen <laughs> causing me problems, like oh, I can't hold a pencil properly because of my collagen. I will find a way around that 
as it was, I found a way around it. But as a kid, I was like, I'm so dumb. I can't write properly. I'll have to find a way around it. Otherwise, people will continue to be disappointed in me. Now, I'm thinking of that in terms of my pen license, uh, my complete physical inability to, to run, to catch a ball, to do all those sorts of things. It's like, well, you know, the fact that I was a bit of an overweight kid didn't help. Because it's like, well, that's why you don't want to run. It's because you're fat, you know. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want to run because I get about two spaces before my ankles sublocate and I fall down. But I didn't have the language for that as a nine, ten-year-old. All I knew was it hurt when I ran. And the assumption was because I was an overweight kid, I couldn't run because I was overweight. So had I known that I had EDS, I could have said, my ankles sublocate and dislocate. I dislocated an ankle at school once. My ankles sublocate and dislocate when I try to run. I'm not able to run the way my peers can, possibly with, you know, some sort of bracing or something. I could improve that potential, but it's a genuine problem. It's not laziness. It's not ineptitude. I literally cannot run without my ankles falling out of socket placement. Still to this day, I cannot run. If we're ever chased by a bear, run with me because don't worry, you'll make it to safety. <laughs> but like that's the sort of thing I think that is why a diagnosis is so important. It's not about what medicine can I get. It's not about what cool name can I call myself. What what um what cool injury, you know, like impress people with my my super rare condition. It's not that at all. My cat's just walking in. <laughs> Cats are always walk in front of what you're doing because they need you to know that they are more important than whatever else you're doing. Yeah, so I think diagnoses are so important, not only because it gives us a language to explain to other people why things are happening the way they are, but it also gives us a reason why we're not able to do the things that we can see our peers able to do. Now, it may be super obvious if you're someone that has a really severe case of of EDS or something like that, that, you know, you've had medical issues or major dislocations and things. It's very clear that something is amiss. If you're like myself where you mostly skated under the radar, there was clearly things you couldn't do and there was limitations and dislocations and pain, but they could be written off as as clumsy or, you know, oh, well, you're growing or, well, you know, you're a bit overweight or whatever it was. It wasn't until... I went into perimenopause and I started to, my estrogen levels changed. That's when it really cranked up to 11 for me. That was when all of the symptoms really got started hard. Like my, my joints, as bad as they always were, have gotten significantly worse in the last two years, like significantly worse. Now, if I was like me now, then it would have been super obvious that there was something wrong, but I was mild enough that it wasn't obvious that there was something wrong, but troublesome enough that it got in my way. I'm just, my cat's about to knock stuff down. Chicken, chicken. Cats, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, so I'm just watching him because he's going to knock something. Come on, get down. Come on. Sorry, this is how you know this is a real life podcast and I'm not a professional in any way, shape or form. But yeah, so uh, I think... I read more stats about EDS all the time as well, and I think that's something that's 
relatable as well with the rest of the community is that every time someone says, hey, have you do you get this thing where you do this? And everyone goes, oh, my God, that's an EDS thing. And there's so many things where you're like, I just accepted that that was a fault of mine. You know, like I just accepted that there was I just couldn't do those things or there was something wrong with me or I wasn't trying hard enough or whatever. We do tend to buy into this, this, the stories we told from medical professionals, from family, from teachers, from whomever, when they, when people in authority tell you that the reality is the way it is, kids particularly are not going to argue that point. Maybe the kids nowadays, but definitely not the kids back in the 80s when I was a kid. If, if someone in a position of power told you that that was the way things were, you accepted it. So if you were told that you couldn't do something because you weren't trying hard enough, you accepted it. You accepted that that must have been the answer. It couldn't possibly be something else. It must be that you're not trying hard enough. Now, like like I said, daily, daily I see things and I think, oh, gosh, yes, of course, that's, you know, I've been doing that my whole life. I can't believe that's an EDS thing. So things that come to mind um, that I'm thinking of are things like, I'm just opening my file here so I can see it, Uh yeah, that we're lazy or, or um, clumsy because when your body doesn't work the way it's supposed to, you do things that you're not supposed to do. You trip over. You drop things. You, we have a big a big problem with preperception, which is where you knowing where your body is. So, say for example, if you're blindfolded, you can reach forward and grab the cup in front of you because you saw the cup. You know where your hand is. You can grab it, or you can you can touch other parts of your body and know where they are. People with EDS and HSD and other connective tissue issues have problems with that. We literally can't always find where our body is in space. We actually have to check. So that was another thing. Um, Something else that I didn't know was an EDS thing is that I've had thin hair my whole life. And uh, anyone who's known me for any length of time will have known I've spoken about this before. It was always thin. Now, when I say thin, I don't just mean like my hair... The how much hair I had was thin. I'm saying the actual shaft of my hair is thin. Like when we first started doing homeschooling with my younger son, we did the whole like, let's look at our hair under the microscope, you know, as you do. And, you know, I snipped a little bit of his hair and I snipped a little bit of my hair and we popped them under the microscope and my hair was half the size of his hair, half the size. And I went, oh, that's that's weird. We found a random cat hair because obviously if you've got a cat, trust me, you can find a random cat hair. And we put the cat hair under the microscope. My hair is the same thickness as a cat hair. Like seriously, that's how thin my hair is. Now, I didn't know why that was. I just thought, oh, maybe that's just some bad luck. Turns out that's an EDS thing. Uh, our, our hair follicles can be more dilated than normal because of the, obviously the connective tissue in our skin. Our hair follicles are more dilated than the average bear. So uh, hair has a harder time staying in the actual follicle. But also the development, there's like three or four phases of hair development. They don't always make it through all of the phases. So that's why your hair is so thin. I'm like, so many things, so many things that that I've learned. Like, you know, fidgeting. Like I was always told, sit still, sit still. You're a fidgeter, sit still. I wasn't fidgeting because I was bored. I was fidgeting because it hurt to sit. It hurt my back, it hurt my hips, it hurt my knees and my feet if I was if my legs were hanging because the, the joints were quite literally getting pulled on. So that's the thing. We fidget because we're uncomfortable. 
um, we get neuropathic pain. So for the for as literally as long as I can remember, even before I had joint problems, I had pain if you touched me like on the inside of my arm. So like the I mean, I'm excessively Celtic at the best of times, but I mean like the whitest part of your arm, the inside of my arm and the inside of my legs from groin to ankle, from wrist to to underarm, you could, you could rub the outside of my arm, the outside of my leg. If you push on the inside of my arm or the inside of my leg, it feels like someone is punching a bruise. Like truly, even just a gentle squeeze feels like someone's punching a bruise. And that has been that way my whole life. And I just thought I was soft. Like people like, oh, don't be such a sook. You're so soft. That's that's a thing. That's a thing. That's an EDS thing. That's neuropathic pain. The all these things that I'm constantly learning, and I think, oh my goodness, I, another one. Just throw it throw it on the pile. I'm just having a look at my notes here of ones that I've written down. What else have I got? Yeah, pain in your ribs. Uh, costochondritis. We've talked briefly about that before. I used to get pain in my ribs, um, like really bad pain. I actually thought I was having a heart attack a few times. Uh, went, you know, went to the school nurse in high school. I'm having a heart attack. I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> um, you know, clearly not having a heart attack. Gosh, attention seeking. What a carry on. God, goodness me. Oh, oh no. I had, I had like, um, dis like not dislocated. What I call it. I had like slipped a rib in in my just next to my sternum. And the cartilage at my sternum on the like on the left hand side as it reaches into my sternum was highly inflamed. Now that doesn't show up on an X-ray. So, you know, got an X-ray, well you don't have any broken ribs. It, you're just imagining it. You're fine. You know? And I was like, imagine sitting there, or probably most of you don't have to, but imagine sitting somewhere in enormous pain, pain that you can't even begin to put into words, and being told, no, you're not. There's no pain. There's nothing wrong. You're perfectly fine. You're just being silly. Now, we've all had that many, many times over. But again, this finding out these things and, and hearing that this is a legit thing, it does actually, for me at least, it does reach back in time and sort of pat little me on the shoulder and go, don't worry. We will one day work this out. We will one day know why this happened you are not weak, you are not lazy, you are not making it up. These are genuine things that one day we will have the language to explain. I'm just thinking of looking at some others here, what have I got? Gastrointestinal problems, like, you know, I can't eat that. Why are you allergic to it? No, I just can't because it makes my stomach hurt. Stop being so picky, just eat it. You know, <laughs> it's like things like that. Um, what else have we got? I'm just looking to see what else I've got here. Oh my God! This is I've got. If if you guys actually follow me, go and check out my Pinterest. Um, it's Kerry Wire on Pinterest, and I actually have got an EDS folder. So if you want to see some um some good memes, but also some great fact things, go and check that out. That's another one here. Uh, adrenaline. We get adrenaline highs and lows. So sometimes from pain, sometimes from things like mast cell or even dysautonomia. You're trying to go to sleep and you're, you're somewhat asleep and you'll roll and something pinches or pops or whatever and causes you pain. Possibly not enough to wake you because let's be honest, we're pretty used to it now. But that pain will trigger an adrenaline response which will wake you up. So pain somnia is a literal thing. 
where you literally not only can't sleep because you're in too much pain, but because hurting yourself while you're trying to sleep will wake you up. I had that for the longest time and had no idea why. I just assumed that it was, you know, just I just had insomnia. I had trouble sleeping. I've always had trouble sleeping. It wasn't until I got a body pillow, which I'll actually talk more about in Life Hacks tomorrow, but it wasn't until I got uh, a body pillow and was able to actually sleep supporting my neck but also not crushing my shoulder up to my ear but also able to support my, like, lift my knee off my other knee while I slept. So my notifications. I thought I, I was blanked it out, sorry. Um, it, I woke up without as much pain, like, significantly reduced pain. Not even just a little bit like, oh, this is a bit more comfortable. I mean, significantly reduced pain to the point where I could sit up in bed and not just yowl in pain as soon as I sat up. Things like that, if I had known, like the, the many years that I've had such terrible, terrible sleep, or because I didn't know, I didn't know why things happened, you know, and I think this is why, I know I'm a broken record on this, but this is why I think this this uh, awareness month is so important. It's not about, oh, hear my horror stories, or, you know, feel sorry for me, or it's, I want people out there to, A, know what it is like to have this condition so that we can have more understanding, particularly from the medical field. But also, too, there are people out there who are going through these things and they still don't know why. There are children not able to write with their pens and, and not realising that it's because they can't. Like, their fingers hurt and they figure it's just them doing it wrong. They don't realise that it could actually be it is their fingers. It's not them not trying. That there are kids who can't run and it doesn't make you lazy. There are kids who can't throw or catch a ball and it doesn't make you clumsy. Someone out there is hearing this for the first time and going, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. That was me. Okay. If that is you, please, please know we need to stop measuring our value as, as people by what we can achieve. By what we, uh, by our aptitude at sports, by our ability to run a certain distance or our ability to jump a certain height, we are not dumb because we can't do something, or we're not clumsy because our bodies don't work properly. We need to stop measuring kids by what they can't do. That's one of the reasons why we homeschool. Because my, as as you all have heard me say before. Both of my boys are autistic and my younger son is autistic that I homeschool. There are many things that if you compared him to a quote-unquote regular kid, he wouldn't be able to do. Now, compare some of the things that he can do with a regular kid and he would leave them in the dust. Like his, his mind for engineering and creativity and things like that, like he can listen to like video game soundtracks and pull out every single instrument that's being used in an orchestral piece. He can build fully articulated Lego that's like a live action copy of, of something from a movie, complete with like being able to move the eyebrows to change the expression and stuff like that, just in like 10 minutes. Now, that's to me, that's amazing. That's incredibly clever and incredibly valuable. And it's not something that would be valued if we measured him by like saying, oh, yeah, that's great, but we need to put the toys away because now it's time to learn Pythagoras' theorem. <laughs> like, 
I know I always go on it. I always have a slag at um, algebra. My husband, my husband's the only person I've ever met that's actually used Pythagoras' theorem in the wild. But I just think it's so critical that we start we start giving people language to explain what they can and can't do and, and stop making people feel like they are in some way lacking because they're unable to do something. Even the term disability kind of implies that we are different from those that can. And, yeah, fair enough. If you're a person who uses a wheelchair full-time, then you're differently able to someone that can walk. You are not able to walk. That doesn't mean that you are lacking something. Those That wheelchair is not, you know, oh, oh, no, you're in a wheelchair. That's so sad. It's like, thank goodness I have this chair. It allows me the freedom and the mobility to continue with my life. Same as the times that I have to use a stick. Now, I can, I can walk unassisted most of the time. Sometimes I require the help of a stick. That's not like, oh, no, you've got to use a stick. It's like, no, no, despite the fact that I need assistance, I'm still able to move around and do things for myself. That's fantastic. That's, that's, that's something I'm happy about. So I've gone off track because I tend to, if you don't know me, if, you, if you're just turning in for the first time, I tend to digress and go on tangents. It's part of my charm. It can also be very frustrating for people that like a nice, quiet, linear conversation. So if that's you, I do apologize. <laughs> if you've followed me along this far, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'll be back tomorrow with uh, life hacks for EDS and HSD. I've got some corkers. Um, but I think I just really want to leave you with that message that it is important to understand why our bodies do the things that they do or don't do because it is it's not about what it what it ticks or crosses on a medical report or you know what what other people think we need to hear the words there's a reason why this happens it's not your fault and i can't stress enough how much i wish i had heard that growing up and i'm grateful that i get to hear it now so thank you guys so much for joining me and i will see you tomorrow yeah.